report that came out. Everybody knows about planted acres, what the USDA says, how accurate they are. Then we get the farmer whole speculation slash argument. Last year, the USDA said this. I think they're trying to screw us up. They're trying to game the system. And then, of course, you've got the WASDE report, which came out July 12th. I've got two guys that are going to shed light on what this means for you and what you should be doing on your farming operation. I think the key here is don't flip out. A lot of people do that. But fortunately for you, I've got two flipper outer controllers. In other words, they're like your counselors in the commodity marketing game. Welcome to Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve podcast, where you'll learn from the experiences of America's most innovative and successful farmers as they shorten your learning curve increase your yield, ROI, and profit. This episode of Cutting the Curve is brought to you by Sylvius Financial, the company that offers customized risk management solutions for your farming operation. Sylvius Financial integrates crop insurance with government programs and grain and cattle marketing to achieve profitability for your farm. And now, here is your host, Damian Mason. Well, greetings and welcome to Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve. We're talking today about what the estimates and the reports mean. Here we are mid-season. We're recording this mid-July. I've got uh, Bryce Goose and Sean Finley. They are with uh, Sylvius Financial. All right. What did we find out here um, between the June 30th and July 12th report? Either of you take the one lead, the other one take the other. Tell me what we heard and what we found out. I just know that we apparently did something crazy because the prices have come down precipitously since about the end of June. Go ahead, Sean, lead us off. Yeah, so in terms of, you know, kind of looking at, and there's actually two reports, you know, there was the June 30th report and then the one that came out this past Tuesday. Um, You know, in terms of soybeans, acres actually was lowered by over 2 million acres from the prior report um, and corn just raised marginally. You know, so on face value, those, there really weren't that big of changes, but soybeans have promptly fallen a dollar a bushel and kind of the same with corn, you know, so at least at least from where the numbers come from, you know, there was actually some fairly positives that came out of that report, but the market took a completely different reaction to it. Bryce, here's what's interesting to me. You know, we've been around this game for a while. We we took the classes at Purdue, and uh, and and we know a little. I, you know a lot about it. I know a little bit about it. I've seen this my whole life of paying attention. Um, there's this euphoria, and then there's this oh, and it's always overdone on both the up and the down. Am I right? There's this. Yeah. We're never going to have enough food. We're all going to starve. Calamity. Locusts. Uh, 40-day floods, good golly, we're going to all die. Let's bid these prices up. And then everybody's driving around like, the corn's going to have an eight in front of it. And then the next thing you know, oh, you know what? We're down to six bucks. Corn's going to have a five in it real soon. And it's always overdone on both the up and the down. Am I right? Yeah, I mean, just because the markets are very emotional. I mean, that's what we've seen. I mean, like what Sean said on bullish news for beans, we still sold off a dollar plus. I mean, for multiple reasons. I mean, the kind of the spec traders, the fund managers are starting to creep out of commodities with the inflation talk. And one thing they kind of hit on is the U.S. dollar is the strongest that it's been since 2002. So, I mean, I think more people are kind of focused on the demand kind of aspects that are going on in the world today versus what the reports brought. I know what Sean mentioned, I mean, the U.S. acre change in beans from March to June, that was the third largest drop in history. 
I mean, with that 2.6 million. Third largest drop from what was reported from, was going to be the acres to what the actual planted acres was. Is that what I'm saying? Yep, yep. from the March report to the June yeah. report. Okay, so dig this, and we're going to get into all that. I want to talk about emotion. I want to talk about dollar strength. I want to talk about the chatter that we're all hearing between uh, the, 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 twi the ag Twitter, hashtag ag Twitter, whether we're hearing our chatter at the hashtag ag Twitter or at the elevator or at the... Uh, the the diner where we hang out or just when we get together and text our friends i want to hear about all that but more important let's go ahead and just go through the numbers in case somebody right now is listening and they're like man you know what i buckled down so hard on my farming operation i hadn't really heard or paid attention as i recall back in march we were saying that in the united states of america for only the third time in record keeping soybean acres were going to outpace your corn acres. We were going to plant more soybean acres than we did corn acres. Usually that does not happen. In fact, it's only happened two times ever. And one of those times was just like a couple of years ago. And of course it didn't happen. Why did it not happen? Because soybean prices look good. Uh, it's cheaper to put in soybeans. Don't need as many inputs. It all made sense to me when the prediction was more soybeans than corn, yet it didn't happen. Is it because farmers just love to plant corn? Answer me, Sean. Uh, I think kind of two reasons, you know, when those surveys are initially sent out in February, soybeans were trading at some of the highest levels they were. And, you know, the same with corn, but in the 30 to 45 days following that corn went on over a dollar 50 per bushel run where soybeans really didn't, they maybe rallied 40 to 50 cents. So there was a huge dollar revenue flip from beans to corn during that time um and then you know you know obviously we had some of the wet wet spring and the late planting but as long as guys could get it in the, the in terms of net return per acre it really flipped the corn there after the report was surveyed well we're all three of us from corn states and we know that there's nothing that farmers love more than in about october getting in that combine and just seeing that corn roll in and seeing, and then that yield monitors just going crazy. And then next thing you know, the, the binger is going off that your hopper's full and it just gets them excited. I think that, I think that they would almost pay to plant corn, but I'm probably wrong. Bryce, what's your assessment? Oh yeah. I mean, corn is King. I mean, that's just the facts of it. And when we saw that dollar 50 rally, I mean, when you're, I mean, when you're planting and you're seeing a, seven in front of that corn number, you're feeling pretty confident planting corn, even with the higher inputs. Yeah, all of a sudden you're like, hey, wait a minute, $7.40 corn, uh, wait a minute, I can afford this high-priced uh, fertilizer. So anyway, we ended up around like 88.3 is the million acres of soybeans, I think it is. And the yes. expected yield may be, they're still holding at that roughly what we did last year, 51 or so bushels. Is that what we're hearing, Sean? 51, yep. And then and, and the acres was 88, and that puts us about on par with last year, right? I mean, we're, we're not, a, we haven't varied by a whole hell of a lot on any of the acres or our yield. From yeah, production year. is going to be, production is going to be very similar to last year. Um, you know, and kind of like Bryce said, you know, really the difference and what it's all going to come down to, you know, looking forward here is what happens with demand, um, you know, with the high dollar and you're starting to see economy slow down a little bit, you know, how much does that affect the actual carry out? That's going okay. to be the big kind of question mark going forward. All right. So answer me this, Bryce. Um, on the corn thing, we were at what, 90 and a half or 91 million acres is what we were saying on the June 30 report? 
Yeah, I believe so. Sean, you have those up in front of you. Uh, it was closer to eighty. It was closer to eighty-eight. Oh, okay, so we were but we were we were under ninety on both. Beans, uh, beans was I think beans was right around beans was around ninety and dropped to eighty-eight. Yeah. Where corn was around, I think eighty nine, and it bumped up to like eighty nine and a half. Okay, so so we're both we're under ninety on both, which again then it brings up the point. You know, there's always these speculation with these huge numbers. Farmers are going to plant more acres to get it, and then it's kind of like, from where? Where do we get those acres? We haven't we haven't surpassed ninety on either of them, Bryce. So so it points out that the acres are what what we got is what we got. Yeah. And and you'll see that the yield that they have set for corn is like, think that 177 trend line yield. And they, and they rarely change that on the July report. They kind of adjust that as the summer months go. Yeah. So they're basically, they're trend lining that based on last year, we were at about 177, 178. And they're saying, we're going to stick with that. But there's a lot of reason in places where we're from to make you think we're going to go down, which we don't do that usually in the long term, but we'll do it from year to year uh, because of the weather, Sean. Yeah, um, to your point, Damian, um, in terms of yields, in seven of the last nine years, the July yield estimate on the USDA report to the final yield estimate in January has increased. So in seven of the past nine years, that yield number has increased. Um, you know, but kind of in the states that were in Nebraska, Indiana, and you know, you know, the two other big corn states with Iowa and Illinois, Iowa is actually the only state of those four that has a higher condition rating than last year. And we're still okay. assuming the same national record yield. Right, right. So seven of the last nine, by, come, by the time we get to January, we realized that we, we, we harvested more per acre than what the estimates were, but two of those years we did not. And I believe this is going to be a third of in the 10, it'll be the third and 10 that we go down from the 177 based on pressure problems. Bryce, do you agree with me? Yeah. And to add on that, I mean, June, as far as the corn belts go, it, I mean, it was the third driest June on record behind 2012 and 1988. Okay. Yeah. Right. We experienced that here. All right. So then let's go ahead and get to that. To the next thing. If that's true, that means that this $6 bean or corn number right now, July 14th, while we're recording this, looks like maybe it was an over, uh, over decline down on the downside. And I should sit around realizing that eventually there's going to be some fear put back in the market, some realization of, wait a minute, the supply is not going to be as great. Prices are going to go up. I shouldn't sell $6 corn right now, should I, Bryce? I mean, that's what we're weighing with our clients right now, because yes, it looks bullish as far as the weather aspect side of it goes, but no well, one's Bullish focused. for yield, not for price. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So bullish for price because bull, yield bull, falling back. Yeah. Bullish for yield, not bullish for price, not for yield. Okay. Yep. So, so what I, my point was, why not, why wait, why sell $6 corn? because it looks like it's overdone on the downside. Why not sit around and just hold out because we're probably going to bounce up from here. This is after all a dollar 40 sell off in the last, how many days, Bryce? Yeah. In the past couple, I mean, month, Two. I mean, yeah, in the last 30 days. Yeah. But so then to kind of fight against that, yes, the U S dollar is strong one. And if we do pick up key rains in the next 14 days, it doesn't look like that as of now. But if we get a wet weather forecast the next 14 days, which is key during pollination, I mean, 
If, if you mix that with a strong dollar, we could see some more downside pressure. What about the July 12th WASD? That's more global. That's not just the United States. That's supposed to be talking about world agriculture supply and demand estimates. That's, uh, I couldn't remember if the, word, if the letter E was estimates or exports, and Sean corrected me, it's ex estimates. What's the uh, WASD that we always talk about? What does it tell you? That's global stuff, man. That's talking about South America, what do they call their second crop and all that? Is it, what they say? Uh, for South America, they pretty much left, left everything pretty much status quo for the most part. This, I would say the biggest key takeaway from the WASD report on Tuesday was that, you know, even in the midst of this Ukraine and Russia situation, they increased the world stocks of corn. Even in the midst of that, with not planting 25% of the Ukraine crop purely due to the world using less corn. So the WASD is kind of taking an approach that, you know, economies are slowing down or just using less. Um, and as a result, that increased ending stocks alone. I would say that was the biggest takeaway from the WASD report. Bryce, chatter. One of the things when we prepared our outline here, I, I said about chatter. There's lots of chatter. I mean, if it wasn't for chatter, there'd be no reason for all the daily market reports. Remember, AM radio that has, that covers rural America every day at lunchtime, they have to have something to talk about. So you got to talk about the markets. <laughs> What's the chatter? And what would you say about the chatter? I feel like the chatter is, is guys are looking at the yield, looking at the stuff out out in the field and not much in the 14 day forecast. And they think that corn and beans have to go up and that's not necessarily the fact. I'm not saying it's not, but you also have to look around on what else is going on in the world that can also impact prices. I mean, yes, we, I mean, now we are trading pre Russia invasion, Ukraine prices. I mean, we already have all of that taken out of the markets. So, I mean, and there was even talk, talk today of a potential agreement next week between those two but we already have taken all that risk premium out of the market yeah so no matter what happens and not that we're catalyst but whatever happens with russia ukraine it's already cooked into the numbers that we're seeing right yeah old news old news uh old news um all right i'm just a, i'm just a guy and let's say i'm talking to any one of our listeners they're just listeners they're farmers they're ag people they don't look at this every day. They don't stare at a market screen every day like you two do. What do you see that they don't, Sean? Um, you know, one thing that I would say, you know, is really kind of interesting where, where corn is trading right now and, you know, beans kind of for that matter is around the spring price levels that we set earlier in March. Yep. You know, with some of these other podcasts that we've talked about, you know, making sure guys understand where their insurance coverage is and where their policies are actually helping them. Because guys that took those higher level ECO and SCO policies are significantly more hedged down at these prices than guys who opted not to. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're, we're looking at that stuff every day. You know, we, we always make the analogy that farmers put their insurance hats on for like two weeks out of the year. Right. You know, it's kind of our job to step back in and say, hey, you know, this is why you made that move to add this extra band of coverage underneath you to protect stuff like this. So your advice, and I know you don't give advice blanket over a recording like this because every situation is different, is first off about the chatter, Bryce, you'd say... Don't get too emotional. Don't get too wound up right now. It's only mid-July. Yes, and 
depending on where where you sit, like what you just said, I mean, if you spent the money on the insurance, especially this year, that insurance wasn't cheap with how high the guarantee was. I mean, that's why you bought it is for this specific time and place where it gives you a little bit of leeway where you don't absolutely have to sell cash right now because you already, you have that floor. If you bought ECO 95% covered at that 591 spring price. Okay. Well, and, so what's that? So what's that mean, Sean? I was just going to say, and just basically what Bryce is saying is, you know, guys are locking in county yields at the spring price level on their insurance policy. And, you know, kind of, for example, I have a client that is 50% sold on his corn and beans for this year. He has the ECO and SCO policies underneath him, and he is effectively almost 75% hedged because ECO and SCO are eliminating almost all risk below 550 corn. So that's the big news right there is that he's got it set so that he, he doesn't, if it goes to 550, he's, he's never going to get, he'll never do worse than 550. Correct. And, and if he hangs around, he'll, he might just do what the market is, which could be seven bucks again in another month. We get, mm-hmm. some, get some weather scare, get a couple of bad winds, uh, whatever, all of a sudden some, some favorable news, meaning favorable to price, usually unfavorable for the supply. Uh, Cause that's the way it works. If we get something like that, then all of a sudden corn bumps to seven bucks. He's not, he's not relying on any of the protections he put in anyway. Correct. Correct. Yeah, correct. And like a lot of times when you put it that way, like what Sean said, okay, am I likely to sell corn here when I really only have 50 cents of downside risk at this moment, when you probably have a dollar of upside at this moment, I'd probably take I mean, so just approaching and making sure they're they're aware of the situation that they actually sit in. Yeah. So the advice that you would give right now is, given that situation, you would say you've got possibly we go fifty cents lower than this, and and even then you're completely protected, right? Is what you're telling yeah. me. And then, mm-hmm. but why not just lull through the dog days of summer here for a while and see what September first brings? Is that the answer? That or at least structure a hedge that doesn't cap your upside penny for penny you know when i kind of look and talk with guys you know it's if we if you have 50 cents of risk to where your income basically flatlines you know a lot of producers struggle making cash sales that have a greater risk of hurting them at those levels so if we're looking at you know kind of structuring hedges maybe buy a put sell a lower put and then sell a higher call. You know, we call, we call those put spreads versus a call so that at least the, the ranges kind of work. They're not instantly against you. Historically, you talked about, John, the seven of the last nine years, January's results versus July's predictions. Mm-hmm. How accurate have these July and June type numbers been in predicting the future? Beyond that, that was just yield. But about the money, I mean, in other words, how accurate have, if you made a big decision right now, mid-July, would you say every year this is how it works? Or is like, no, how, how, how confident would you be in your July information about heading into the end of the year? Not, not very good. Um, <laughs> you know, generally, you know, generally yield is understated. And, but, you know, there's also the demand piece that goes into the balance sheet. And for corn, it's a lot more of a toss up. 
but you know so there's a strong history for the USDA to understate yields but like in terms of new crop soybean demand they have a very strong history of understating that demand as well um, I think it is I guess I don't know the exact number, but it's much greater than 50-50 that the USDA understates new crop soybean demand from Bryce, their initial July we, estimate. Bryce, do you think we do that just to jack with China? Is that what we're doing? This are we coming? Are we are we putting bad numbers out there to jack with our foreign competition, or is it to make these poor farmers have something to bitch about when they're driving around talking to each other? Yeah, I mean. And a lot of this is off of estimates, too, that, I mean, just like the acre estimates that we get in March, that's just based off of surveys, too. So, I mean, if, if you're one of those farmers that likes to complain on how far the USDA is off, I mean, it starts with kind of them them not wanting to fill out the paperwork in, in, in February as well, where they're not look. I mean, they're, they're, they're taking their best guess, and obviously, they're right 50% of the time, and they're not right 50% of the time. So, I mean, it's... All right. I tried to come up with the old statements and sayings. If you've been around this whole industry for your, your uh, many, very many years, uh, friends don't let friends sell in June. Uh, do this until July. Don't do this. There is some basis, kind of like, um, you know, when they talk about stereotypes and everything else, there is some basis for these things. Wouldn't now normally be a bad time we're recording this mid-july wouldn't now normally be a bad time to make too many big moves because historically july is not the time to make big moves or should you do all your big moves in july because you have a chance to ring the bell and nobody else does what's what's the thinking in this time of year yeah i mean to even i mean even to go back i know sean's article just got posted this week kind of about just seasonality in the commodity markets i mean right now seasonally is a time that we sell off and we've seen that even with positive news and dry weather we are still seeing that seasonal sell-off by the way sean somebody smart titled your article when the market's throwing you curveballs don't swing for defenses i don't know who came up with that brilliant title but the point of your article was you're saying the market's throwing curveballs and just play, just go for base hits, singles and doubles will, will, uh, will win the game for you. How is this year different? Because I think you can make the case that every year has volatility. Now, do we have dollar fifty moves um, in the corn from in, a, in two months time? No, because there was not that long ago, 20 years ago, corn was a dollar eighty-six. <laughs> if it had moved a dollar bit. But are we really that volatile? Or is it just the old thing of you think it because you're in, in it right now, but historically we're not any more volatile now than we've always been. I read your article twice, by the way. Yeah, it this year is definitely more one of the is definitely one of the more volatile years that we have seen. Um, I would I wouldn't say it is the most volatile year that we've had, but you know these last two weeks you, you got to go back quite a way to find you know kind of a two week stretch it was as volatile as we've seen, and you know directly to that, um, you know when we look at options for clients, you know one of the pricing components for options is the volatility index. Yeah. It's basically the highest that it's been all year. And what option volatility is trying to do is price uncertainty in markets. 
And, you know, it's kind of going directly to what Bryce said. This is probably the most uncertain any of us have ever been all year. You know, we're sell, we're breaking on bullish news and, you know, it, yeah, it's just really. All right. Wait a minute, Bryce, help me out here because maybe Sean doesn't realize he just said this is the most volatile and, and he's jittery. It ain't even his money. I'm the farmer. It's my farm. It's my farm. It's my future. It's my grain bins full of stuff. And he's jittery. I'm the one that should be jittery. Help me. Don't, don't, don't let me jump off this. Don't let me jump off this bridge here. Bryce, bail me out here. Bail out Sean. I mean, just at this point in time, just like what he said, I mean, we wouldn't be surprised if corn's at $5 next month, or we won't be surprised if it's at $7 either. I mean, it's just trying to navigate those conversations with our clients right now. Okay, if we break the $5, how much of your profitability do you want to gamble, I would say? I mean, but like what he said, below that 550, if you bought up on insurance, right. a move to $5 stings, but it's kind of showing them the positive. Okay, we, if we go to five, it stings, but that's why we have the insurance. And then the other way, if we go to seven, insurance probably won't pay, but we're selling $7 corn. So, I mean, they're not saying that I want to see $5 corn, but there is positive ways to communicate to your clients where i mean you're not gonna lose money i mean it's if, if we went to five dollars do we stay there you know because usually you don't move this much and this much and then hang around there you've got some movement but eventually it stays there right uh we, we, we we've seen this thing before is the the point is, if we go there and stay, that 550 you locked in is going to make you feel like, a, you know, you're going to say, well, crap, I missed that seven and a quarter. I could have uh, sold the whole crop for, but at least I'm smart. I hung out here and got my 550 guarantee. Do we stay there? Yes and no. I mean, there is a the potential too, but what we saw two years ago when we were staring down $3 corn, I mean, we were around this time where we, we, we were staring down $3 corn, looking at huge insurance payouts, and we were bringing to light, guys, if this corn market rallies, you actually lose money. Yeah. If corn, corn goes up, you are losing money because you're not getting that insurance payment as big as what you were. And it was kind of come to light, you need to hedge your insurance at this point because if a, a price rally can hurt you. I mean, yeah, so there gets to a that, point is that too. What's how do I do that? Because you're you're you know the normal way you're thinking is wait a minute, uh, we uh, we just had, we just peeled a bunch off here. Let's say we go to do get down here to five fifty, and all of a sudden we go back up to seven. Isn't that still good? That's still good for the guy that was protected on the bottom end. That he can't do any worse than five fifty. Who's it bad for? But you're not see like you might you might be at the same exact profitability at five fifty as you are at seven dollars depending on what insurance that you bought. Right. Um, without giving specific advice, the person that's looking out the window, you and I just talked about it, Bryce. Where you and I live and work in northern Indiana, we had one point two inches of rain in the entire month from Memorial Day till July fourth. It averaged about ninety degrees, and we had fifteen mile an hour winds. It was like a it was like a light convection oven situation out here. There was no subsoil moisture. In fact, I don't think there still is. Um, that scared me. Um, the, the, 
the, pro, the, the crops hung around, that's a testament to genetics and the research that we've done to make these crops resilient. But I could make the case, I would have right then said, okay, I can't be sold on very many of my bushels because I'm not going to have very many bushels. I'm going to be collecting insurance on some of this. What else would I have been thinking then? And here we are mid-July. Am I feeling any better about things or am I still jittery? And what's your advice to me? I think most people are feeling worse about things right now. Yes, the crop wasn't looking good, but we were at seven plus dollar corn. Now corn's not looking great, and we're staring at six dollar corn, a dollar difference. Yeah, so, so it's mean, like it's the craziest thing. The, the conditions didn't make it like, oh God, we're going to be rolling in record surpluses. And then also we peeled a buck and a half off of this thing. So what gives? I should have sold everything at 750, is what I'm hearing. Sean's yeah, but guys were well, and guys were shy too. I'm pulling the trigger at 750. Like what? What you said? Well, Bryce, I don't know how much I'm going to have to sell. I mean, that's where we kind of come in. You don't have to sell the the physical bushels. We can set a floor or get some protection under you in place on paper. So yeah. I mean, if so, if you don't produce those bushels, okay, you're not on. I mean, you're not hanging out to dry on those. I'd have sold everything at 750, but you know what? I know that hindsight is 2020. I've learned this with every business dealing I've ever had. I am way smarter and make the best decisions ever after the time has passed for the decision to have been made. Sean, you concur? At hindsight is undefeated, you know, and kind of going back to what you're, you know, what you're talking about earlier with the ups and downs of market, it's a constant tug of war between greed and fear. You know, there was a lot of greed at $7 and there's a, heck of a lot of fear especially when we were trading south of six and i think guys just kind of have to recognize that um and when they're looking at their own op operation just make sure they're making decisions on numbers and not emotions um global turmoil bryce uh sean says it's already baked in um we already know that russia ukraine's a disaster and it, it's got it's not going to make any impact we've already priced all that in I say not so fast. I've seen this for uh, you know many many years. Uh, there's going to be some new surprise. There's going to be some new crinkle. There's going to be some new war. There's going to be some new announcement. There's going to be some thing. What do you think when you look at the global situation? Since we are a global marketplace, we are not the only producer of corn and soybeans and wheat. What do you see that maybe others are not seeing? Yeah, and I agree with Sean. I mean, it's kind of baked into it. Yes, I mean, but I mean, we are back to like what I said earlier, pre-Russia invasion of Ukraine. But that doesn't mean if there's some kind of peace agreement or something happens that we don't have an emotional sell-off. I mean, when people hear that news, there's going to be fear selling where a farmer is like, well, shoot, we're at six-hour corn. If that news breaks, oh, we're, we're for sure going to $5. And you're going to have the market still sell off because of fear. You know, one thing that I has been, I think part of the reason that we've seen the sell off, it would definitely come as a surprise that would not be baked in was if China were to kind of step back in, you know, they've been net cancelers of soybean purchases over the past three weeks. So for the past three weeks, they've canceled old crop purchases of purchases of beans. Um, that would definitely be a global macro issue that is not priced in if they were to come back in, if prices got low enough that we're attracted to them. Bryce, right now, 
we're talking about mid-July. Um, you see the charts and you see this stuff way more than I do. But here as a somewhat ag guy, if I'm the farm operator, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do nothing other than just make sure you have me protected against big, huge declines. Because I think that right now, based on where these numbers are, uh, there's upside and I wanna sit around and capture that. Am I doing the right thing? And I know you're gonna say, well, it depends on your risk profile. Am I doing the right thing? I mean, yeah, you, I mean, if you didn't pay up on your insurance, you need a floor below you at this point in time because with what the inputs are at, you can't really afford to fall down to five bucks if you didn't buy up on insurance. You have to have at least that floor set. I'm not saying that you want to go and sell all your cash at six bucks. It's not an attractive price, but at least you need a pocket of protection underneath you. You talked about inputs six at six bucks. I'm, I'm breaking even, right? Yeah, so that, that's, I mean, if you're buying puts at six bucks, at least to kind of secure your bottom line. So where if we fall below that, you can live to see another year. I mean, I mean, you don't want to gamble that. I mean, you at least want to stay at that break, break even level, but also you want to give yourself a chance of some upside. I mean, you're going to have to put up some money to do that, but that might outweigh what upside that we have potentially. Would you encourage me to just chill for a while if I was your customer, or would you encourage me to make big moves? I would not encourage you to make big moves because a lot of times when people make big moves, they're based on emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is there a time mean- to is there a time to make big moves? July fourteenth, you're saying don't make a big move. Should I be considering a big move come September when the combines are rolling and things look a little different? I- Going forward, especially for the next two or three weeks, it's really going to depend what markets do based on the weather. You know, if these forecasts verify and continue showing the this heat and dry, you know, chances, grains probably should see a little bit of a rebound from here. Yeah. But just kind of like Bryce said earlier, if those models flip, we probably haven't seen the low yet. And I think clients just kind of have to understand that. And, you know, kind of going back to your question, what should I do? You know, I just think you kind of have to say, okay, if corn goes to $5, can I stomach that risk? If not, probably sell enough to get yourself comfortable with that, just to avoid that. And Bryce, if I was your client, I would have I would have probably looked around when things were in the low sevens, mid sevens said sell it all, or at least protect me all on that. And you would have told me, but Damien, what if it goes to 10? And I would have said, I would never been there before. I'll take my chances that we're never going to go there. At least not anytime soon. What do you think about that? How would you have counseled me if I had told you that one month ago when I could have gotten in at seven twenty-five, seven forty? Yeah. 10 was a stretch and we kind of, that's the way that we would pitch some guys too. Okay. If you sell this at $7, are you going to be upset that you sold 10, 15% of your corn at seven bucks more at 10 when you still have more to sell? Not necessarily. You'll be a little bit kicking yourself, but not as much as you'd be kicking if we're at five. Even if you're making moves, you know, you got to, in response to what you think the market could do, you have to respect that it could make the opposite move. So whenever you're making these decisions, you know, just make sure it's on, you know, sound reason and not emotional decision where you're trying to outguess where this market's going to go. Because, you know, just kind of like we talked earlier, this is some of the biggest moves in corn we've seen in quite some time. 
and this market in a short time, biggest yeah. news in a, in a very short time frame. Soybeans, though, soybeans not as big a, as big a moves over a short time, but also it's moved quite a bit, right, Bryce? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, we're, I mean, what's the spring price on bean, Sean? Fourteen something. I mean, we are, I mean, we're, we are below the crop insurance spring price on beans here. I mean, yeah. which means it's moved by it's moved by two to two and a half bucks. Yeah, I mean, we, we were staring at 1560 to 1580 beans, and we're down at 1340. I mean, we've seen a big move there, too. We moved over two bucks on those things. Yep. Um, you heard two to three weeks on weather. Is that the next time we ought to look at this? Should we just should we just not pay attention for the next couple of weeks? If you're sitting here 70% hedged, then you are probably more able to, okay, I think corn's going up it's okay spending some money on some call options. But if you're not to that 50 to 70%, you can't really afford to go out and go even more long the market. Because like what we've said, there is a chance that we, if this 14 day weather forecast or some other news hits that just completely flips the market to even break new lows, you can't afford that to happen. So it's, it's emotional. You wanna get long the market here, a lot of guys do. But you have to sit back and realize if it doesn't, what that causes. You're, you know what? I'm Mickey Mantle. Mickey Mantle led the league in home runs one of the years in the 1950s. He also led the league in strikeouts. You know what? Everybody likes a guy that swings for defenses. You might strike out, but by God, you also impress the chicks with your home runs. Why? When am I allowed to swing for defenses? I would be more apt to swing in for more than a double if we break corn hard and we are seeing large insurance payouts and hedging against that i mean i think that's the biggest thing is it has to be where i look at my profit matrix and i actually lose money going from like five to six dollars i mean in order for me to go for a home run buy calls and do that that has to be the risk that i'm looking at where if it goes down I make more money. If it, if I go up, I lose money. Like getting into that situation is where I think that you can swing a little harder. And by the way, that's a lot of navigation right there. That's a bunch of navigation on the insurance thing, which is why we always talk about you guys at Sylvius integrating insurance with commodity marketing with government programs, because there's nobody in their sister that would understand how you can lose money buy a commodity price going up when you are in the business of selling commodities. How in the heck does that happen? Basically the price running up and kicking you out of insurance payments, you know, at, you know, if you're locked in at 550 and we're sitting at 480 corn, you're looking at a 70 cent payment for for crop insurance. All of a sudden crop insurance, we run up to $6, you know, yes, the market rallied, you know, a dollar, but you lost 70 cents. Lost seventy cents of insurance, but I gained fifty cents on my bushel price of corn. Right, yeah. so you're but still you, down twenty. Yep, and if you have some already sold, you're not feeling that jump in price on the bushels that are sold. Where on insurance, you're feeling it on a hundred percent of your bushels. I think the reports are accurate. I get I get asked this question a lot, and what I tell clients is, it doesn't really matter if it's accurate or not. That's the numbers that we have to deal with. You know, so regardless if we agree with them or not, we have to we have to live and work with them until they change them again. That's that's the old. uh, I may not like these cards, but they're the ones I got. Okay. Yep. That's what makes the grain markets is people not really believing it that they're accurate or if they are. I mean, that's what makes the markets move. 
By the way, that's that's the, the most that's the most astute statement of this entire recording that we just did. Is if everybody believed all this, there would be no movement at all, right? I mean, it's kind of like my my buddy, the attorney, once uh, someone was you know, having beers and he was saying, "Can you get sued over this? Well, can you sue over that?" He says, "How the hell do you think we have one fourth of the world's lawyers?" Of course, all of the questions you've asked me. That's what makes these courtrooms full and torps. He's like, yes. He's like, and he says, but isn't it come down to just my word versus theirs? He says, again, that's why lawyers have a business. It's what you just said. That's why we're all out here looking at these markets because somebody thinks, no, I disagree with that. And someone says, absolutely, I'm all in on that. You've made me really kind of amused about that, Bryce. You don't want any more words of wisdom on the way out the door? That, that's all I got. Sean, it's on you. Sean, it's on you. Your final words of wisdom on the way out the door. You already said, if it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter whether I believe them or not. It's the numbers we got to go with. So why don't you give me the best words of wisdom? If I want to navigate this and I need a partner, because I know I'm not smart enough to do it myself, how do I find you? Uh, well, you can find us on our website. Um, you know, we're on Twitter, Instagram, sylviasfinancial.com. You know, I just think the advice that we would give people is, you know, make sure you talk to your insurance person, your broker, um, you know, people that you trust to make sure you understand where you're sitting in this to, to make sure that you're making, you know, the decisions on those numbers versus and the one that I, fear. The, one that I, the one that I loved you pointed out was just because a market price goes up doesn't mean it's actually good for you because it depends on where you're hedged and what your numbers are locked in at. So you might actually pull the trigger in a different direction because you actually maximize two programs. And that's where you guys come in, maximizing the output of commodity program marketing, along with insurance, along with government programs. And there will be no government programs this year. I think that's a fair statement, right? As of now. Yeah. Okay, you guys both agree with me on that. We've never had a deal where we had a unanimous decision before where you guys agree with anything that I said, so I appreciate it. His name's Sean Finley. The other guy is Bryce Goose, and I'm Damian Mason. Till next time, thanks for being here. These are the cool dudes from Sylvia's Financial. Go to sylviasfinancial.com to see what they can do for you. Till next time, it's Cutting the Curve. That's a wrap for this edition of Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve podcast, brought to you by Sylvia's Financial. Sylvia's advisors show business-minded farmers how to integrate government programs with crop insurance, as well as crop and cattle marketing to achieve positive financial outcomes. Learn more at sylviasfinancial.com.